I have to say, I went. I texted Chris just before I was starting to watch this movie, and I texted like, not looking forward to what is most likely going to be a very messy, uh, like cluttered, boring movie because the yeah. plot doesn't make any sense. And I loved it. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Let's save it. Save it. Fantastic. Well, we're it. It's happening now. Okay. I, think. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if we were in. All right. <clears throat> uh, welcome to Thirty Years Later. <laughs> I mean, it seems as though our guest requires an introduction before we can just get started. Oh, you're being a little too experimental uh, for him, I think, Ricky. You <laughs> coloring a little too far outside of the lines, eh, Pat? Wow. <laughs> of any kind the fear is back and most of all the bitch is back <laughs> alien three uh welcome to 30 years later uh i am your host ricky camillary with uh my co-host, Chris Chafin, or the co-host, but can we just, can I say my co-host this time? I know how much you would like to say it, so yes, you can, you can say it, yeah. Hi. I wonder if people can, I wonder if people can hear my smile at you agreeing to that. Uh, and today we're uh, joined by uh, a friend on the internet, a friend in person when I see him, who has been uh, lovely enough to book me one time in the past on, on Ask Cat, and we're talking about the great... Sir Patrick Cotnoir. Pat, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm psyched to be here, psyched to talk about this weird, weird movie with you guys. <laughs> uh, people listening, you may know Pat from the George Lucas talk show, from Cat, um, from Twitter, where uh, he's very active, from Letterboxd, where he's active as well. <laughs> These are just things that I follow him on. Uh, I, try to be, I try to be active everywhere, you know? I want, yeah. I, I like LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. <laughs> wherever, wherever people are, I'm there. I surprisingly have not Letterboxd this movie yet, but I'm looking forward okay. to writing a, a little blurb that will maybe say check out the uh, episode on it as well. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like writing blurbs. I because I feel bad. I feel bad if people from the movies see them. You know what I mean? I uh, I'm reaching I'm reaching that point, and I'm worried about when it happens, and I'll have yeah. to stop doing that. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. if there's if there's like a movie in particular by someone that I do actually know, sure. I probably won't blurb it, or yeah. I or hopefully I'll like it and I'll blurb that it's great. Yeah, that's you. you know? Usually, I only blurb it if I like it. Or that's if very it's from good. like. Or if it's from like 1942 and everyone is very dead. <laughs> That's the other option. As long as it's not going to negatively impact your career to blurb the movie, yes. basically, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. 
sorry to get yeah, to like your I... head. I feel like now you're now you're all scared about it. <laughs> You've well, ruined I... Letterbox for Ricky. I think. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I may have uh, negatively blurbed um, everything everywhere. Ooh. And, oh. <laughs> and, ooh. And that's that's like one of those goddamn movies right now that like you're not a, like if you have a bad opinion ooh. about it, you're you're a jerk. Sure. Um. And so I'm trying to let me see here. Uh, I mean, now you got to read the blurb. Now you got to just cold read see. it. Oh my god, I'm very excited. We were Ricky was in the thread on Twitter, I think, making fun Ooh. of this movie with our past guest from the Hit Factory podcast, <laughs> which I thought was very brave. I just DM'd them to agree with them. I didn't say it publicly on Twitter. Sure. sure. Uh huh. Well, then and then we had a guest who got kind of mad at me for my opinion. He didn't get mad at me. He just disagreed with me. Uh, very, vehemently. Yeah. Wow. Very strongly. Yeah. Fervently. Yeah. I don't even know how to see my reviews. So I, I'm editing the show this week. Is that? I guess I I did not I did not put a review in. Thank you. I'm glad we got some resolution on that, Ricky. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ricky's editing it this week. You know. <laughs> oh my god! No. I fucking wish. Dude. No, I am not. But you know, if he's editing it, it, it's really nobody's editing it, so it doesn't really. I'm editing it. Like what? Uh, 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 Okay, so this this week uh, on Thirty Years Later, uh, if you've uh, sat with us for this long to get to this point, I'll tell you what movie it we're talking about. It will only have been like forty we're... seconds, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about uh, 1992's Alien Three, directed by David Fincher. Uh, three screenwriting credits uh, <laughs> listed, but probably, but from what I read, about like ten different people yeah. had uh, their hands in this. Um, it was, it's a, uh, notorious historical disaster in terms of its production and post-production. Uh, David Fincher, uh, has said that he almost quit directing movies because of it. I don't think he made a movie for another like five or six years. I think seven, uh, is it, isn't the movie seven next? Seven no, is, is next. Is the game next maybe? No, seven is next. It goes okay. seven, the game, and then Fight Club, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, he's the only um, alien franchise director famously who will not participate in anything to do with the alien franchise. Like they get yeah. them all to do all these DVD commentaries and events, and he will not have a fucking thing to do with it. And even all the other, I have the Blu-ray set with all the alien movies. All the other ones have director's cuts. This one has an assembly cut because they like couldn't get him back to come re-edit it and fix it up, so someone else went through and did so it. Uh, I, I want to get into that because I, I, I rented the theatrical cut and I, yeah. I downloaded the, the assembly. And I'm very curious yeah. to see the assembly because yeah. I have to say, you know, I went into this expecting one of those sort of bloated 90s disasters sure. where the plot doesn't really make sense and it doesn't go far enough in one direction or the other. So you're left yeah. with something very plain and muddled. But I actually loved this film and I thought it was extremely dark. Um, and yeah, there are problems with it, but it's beautiful to look at oh God, from or... beginning from beginning to end it's incredibly violent it is yeah. ultra violent it is near yeah. slasher movie and yeah. then it it's has like a hostility for the viewer in a certain way which is really great you know absolutely and it's got two specific moments that uh are genuinely disturbing um the autopsy scene yeah. is yeah. At, they like the within the first 15 <laughs> minutes of the movie they are bone sawing a seven-year-old's chest cracking the chest and you're hearing the bones breaking and you know i also i i was like 
when I said yes to this, I'm like, I'm going to watch the theatrical. I'm going to watch the assembly. I'm going to watch all the bonus features. I'm going all in on this. I watched the theatrical and I watched the bonus features. This was the first time I'd seen the theatrical cut. I'd only seen the assembly <laughs> cut before this uh, because I was like, well, it's, it's, it's what his vision was. You know, I just thought it would be like better, which there are some things that like flesh it out a little bit more into the world. And in the bonus features, one guy's talking about how in the autopsy scene, when he was at a test screening, he's like, this is never going to make it in. This is not going to make it in. And the version that is in the movie is like heavily cut down. So it was even gnarlier oh than that. God. And they were like, this is too much. And it's still <laughs> very gnarly. I, I I wonder if that's sort of, if that was Fincher doing the, the, yeah. the thing that directors talk about, which is they like, put even more violence into oh, the scene yeah. so that they can. So when the studios like cut this down, it's still sure. horrific, but like the yeah. studio feels like they actually, or the MPAA feel like they actually have some kind yeah. of control over it. But yeah, that scene, you know, the guy cuts the child open and you're like, Oh, that's, this is pretty gnarly. And then she's like the chest. Yeah. You're like, uh, are we really going to do that? And then he grabs the bone saw or the, like, the chest breaker. And the character and doesn't like, want to do it. The doctor, he's like, are you serious? Come on. Come on. <laughs> it's one of those great moments where you're going, like, most certainly you're going to cut away. Like, yes. you're not going to, yes. we're not going to, oh my God, we're doing uh -huh. this? Uh -huh. And they even do yeah. for a split second show you the inside of her chest cavity, which is, you know, just a bunch of organs and guts or whatever. But it is like mm -hmm. they really, really go there. I have a question. So this was my first time really watching this movie. I think I had seen it once before, sure. but I didn't remember thing one about it, except for the fact that, spoiler alert, Sigourney Weaver is pregnant with the alien. Yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah. I felt like I felt like even though I did know that, I felt like the opening scene of the film kind of gives that away. And so the twist when it's revealed that she's pregnant was not shocking at all because I thought that they had set it up like almost a little too clearly at the top. But maybe that's just because I had seen it before. I wonder, yeah. had you seen it before, Chris? Did you I know that she was it, pregnant going in? I hadn't seen it before, but I did know that she was pregnant. And I also thought, this is going to sound really weird. I watch a lot of sci-fi and I read a lot of sci-fi stuff, right? There is a sort of trope about like, the woman in the cryotube being sexually abused by someone. Sure. So when I saw Sigourney Weaver in the cryotube and the alien is kind of snaking around it and there it's cut kind of, it's almost like it is cut like a rape because well, that is what's happening. So I, I think it read to me pretty obviously like, oh yeah, something is something more is happening to her. Isn't that the story not to be too tangential here, but isn't that the story of that movie passengers with uh, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and Chris, Pratt, where like it, like he rapes her in the cryogenic tube or something like no, that. In the theat isn't, isn't something like that in like the book or something like that? But it's not in the movie. Yeah, right? I think Am in I the movie it's too? just like basically he gets accidentally woken up on this ship, and then he wakes her up on purpose to like so he can be in love with her. And he's done all this research on on her, but when she wakes up, he acts like it's an accident you know, so that she'll fall in love yeah. with him. But really it's like this insane oh, okay. manipulation abuse thing where he's picked her out of all the people in stasis to like let out. And now I'll say this, the guy who wrote Passengers wrote Prometheus. <laughs> the alien prequel. Oh, Prometheus, good movie. I good like movie. Prometheus. Yes! I like it. Yes! Oh, I also so like Covenant. Happy. I like I Covenant too. It. I didn't see Covenant. I've been meaning to rewatch Covenant because when I watched it, 
I wasn't super hot on it, but it's only like grown in my brain since then. Yeah. You know, it's like only I, gotten better as I've thought about it. So I think the way to look at it is like Prometheus was his sort of like highbrow take on the alien yeah. franchise. And then he was like, okay, that people didn't really like that. So I'm going to give you sure. the low brow <laughs> take and covenant yeah. covenant is just like, Hey, watch Michael Fassbender make out with himself and this alien kill people in different uh-huh. weird ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What what is your guys' relationship with the franchise in general? Um, I mean, of course it was a huge part of my like the childhood growing up. Like even I don't think I had really seen it until I was like a later teenager, but I had toys, like alien toys. Sure. I think from aliens, I guess, of her and the giant like exoskeleton and like the big queen alien. That, yeah. Those were the big toys at the time. And, you know, I grew up in Florida, so I went to like Universal Studios all the time and they had all that stuff on display, like the big sure. alien costume and the big exoskeleton thing. So it was just always like a thing that I, I knew about. And I, I finally saw Alien, I think, in my 20s. And I was really impressed with what a good so movie it is. Awesome. What a fucking amazingly good movie it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie, I think I had seen on like bits of it on TBS like a hundred times, but never like sure. really sat down and watched it the whole way through. Um, I, I actually recently rewatched Aliens because I feel like that gets a lot of buzz as being like the best Alien movie, but I didn't, I didn't really like it that much because it's, it's like a war movie. It's an action movie. It's very like weird and cliched. And I thought yeah. I feel like there's this like kind of renaissance for it going on, but like I don't see it. It's much better directed at, at this movie, at Alien Three, which fucking rules. I like Alien One the best. I think it's so yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well for sure, yeah. But I feel like people are like Aliens is my favorite one. It's the best one, and I'm always like, I don't know, that first one's real good. Yeah, the first one is like a, like an art film meets horror movie, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like an art horror movie. It's beautifully designed. The production design is is just outrageous and alien and it's movie is amazing yeah full like full dread whereas aliens it's like it's honestly it's like the it's like early james cameron it's the blueprint for like the modern blockbuster and you can kind of enjoy it on that level but it's not like you can't replicate alien and like no one is really trying to really replicate the first alien because it's uh like it's an anomaly how successful it was yeah well, yes, and certainly in terms of success, I was going to say like High Life is kind of a movie in the vein of Alien. Yeah, yeah but not certainly not right. a cultural juggernaut in the way that Alien was. <laughs> As I'm googling High Life, <laughs> uh, I like I like yeah. Aliens because I like I do like James. I mean, James Cameron developed the modern blockbuster. He's the absolute sure. best yeah. at it, um, and so I think Alien succeeds on that level. But in terms of like what I personally love a movie to do. It's alien, you know, yeah. like aliens doesn't really have any of the psychosexual stuff that the, that alien has aliens. is like a boy playing with his toys. Yeah. What's cool about alien three is that he's really trying to return a lot of that energy from the first alien into, into the franchise, you know? And it seems like the, the main discrepancy between him and the producers outside of like going way over budget and all that stuff is that, they were consistently like they wanted a a kind of if you look at what the script that they had initially written, it was some sort of like Cold War metaphor that was mm-hmm. like a basically a war between planets kind of thing. So they wanted a big action movie and Fincher clearly wanted to make something that was was drawn to like a lone woman on a prison planet 
with all these like fundamentalist Christians who don't know what to do with a woman and she's impregnated with an alien yeah. and everything that, 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 that entails and the imagery that it entails versus like the action and the horror of it. Yeah. I'm just reading about, cause you're talking about like the returning to the kind of oddity of the initial alien. So, so the movie takes place on a prison planet and it's all prisoners and uh, they have this kind of weird religion they've developed. So this is kind of like the bastardized thousandth draft version of this initial idea yeah. by Vincent Ward, which was that it was going to be like a wooden planet where it was kind of <laughs> uh-huh. like a weird old monastery where I've seen it described in some articles as like a ship adrift in space uh-huh. or something. And it was full of monks. And this is Ripley was going to crash land in her escape pod on this wooden monk planet, which is extremely <laughs> weird and interesting. And and I do actually kind of like that they got to where they got in the concept, but I, I would have also liked to see that movie. But even before that, William Gibson wrote a script for it, yeah. and they were going back and forth on whether they wanted it to either have them go to the aliens' homeworld to see where the aliens were from, or if the aliens go to Earth. That was like the right, thing that yeah, they were like... Yeah pushing and pulling trying to figure out and then they did i didn't read it i was gonna buy it and then i just got uh, i ran too far behind they made a novel of the william gibson script a graphic novel no 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 oh it's a novel novel? i thought it was a graphic novel maybe they did both they might have i mean listen this franchise they wring every dollar out of it but it might have been both i have seen the novel uh, God, I would love to read. This. Is it is the is the is it a novelization of the script by someone else, or is it yes. a novel by yes. Gibson? No, it's a, it's by someone else. Because that it's was Ripley going to the alien planet, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's some details about the Gibson story on on the Wikipedia, I believe. He he, according to the Wikipedia, he mockingly summed up the script as "space commies hijack alien eggs, big problem in mall world." <laughs> That is what he says. <laughs> oh my god! It's a, he he fucking sounds like the Matthew Lillard character in Hackers, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Big problem in my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but th- this movie was a real me- like they had uh, Rennie Harlan was going to direct it, and then he quit because he was too stressed out about it. Like he just wasn't happy doing it. Like no one was happy making this movie, and it's a bummer. Because it's an interesting idea, and it, like, the thing I like about this movie is that it does not feel like the other two movies, really. No, like, it feels different, and they're doing different stuff. And even if movies aren't good, it, it, even if sequels aren't good, I should say, but they're doing something different than the other ones, I at least, like, respect it. Well, this you know? is, yeah. yeah, no, this is what I was going to talk about at the end of the show. But, like, I think there's the, the way that this is, like, an IP-driven sequel where they yeah. used it represents a completely different way of thinking about what that meant. It was like every time you came back to it, you had to have some kind of new take on it that justified sure. coming back to the well. And you were trying, and it was this push and pull of like reinventing it, but also, you know, having the same like an alien fight at the end. Um, yeah. I, I, versus it being like episode two right, or something. Or a TV like, show. Sure. Like that's, today movies are TV. Right. That's not a reference. Yeah. I'm not referencing Star Wars. I just mean no. like yeah. a, yeah. And also, I do want to say, if any of the Alien movies would be Episode 2, it would be Alien Resurrection, because Ripley's cloned in that one, and Episode 2 is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> right. So really, well if we're really going to break it down granularly, that's probably... Yeah, I can't believe you tried to make a Star Wars reference in front of... Uh, Come on! <laughs> Resurrection, Re- Resurrection is uh, Jean-Pierre Genet, right? Yeah. yeah. He directed that. Yeah. Uh, that is Rip- probably Rip like my I... least favorite one. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah, I most think people's least. Written by Joss Whedon. <sighs> Again, least favorite one. I was really? uh, I was uh, I was ahead of the curve on that one. Um, <laughs> another another element of the script is that uh, so Walter Hill, who was originally supposed to direct the first Alien, but dropped out of it, and Ridley Scott directed, but he remained a producer on the project. For those listening who don't know Walter Hill, uh, he's a legend he directed uh the warriors he directed 48 hours uh he directed hard times with charles bronson the driver uh extreme prejudice a bunch of movies that i love i'm sitting underneath a poster for his movie southern comfort um but following uh alien 2 when they said they wanted to do a third one he was approached and he and somebody else wrote the first script, which, which was like not even just one script. It was a script for two movies and it was going to be, they were going to be shot simultaneously. And they were these war movies uh, uh, that were, you know, two warring worlds. And then Gibson got the script, but when, by the time it got to Fincher, after all these other directors had let go of it, Hill and his partner had come back and done another draft that was going to go to Fincher. And they got like another $700,000 to do another fucking draft. This is the other thing about like movies back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, well, like, let's just, uh, let's just, let's give Hill like another 700 grand to do a two week pass on this fucking script. Um, And so they, they do this pass and this is what gets to, this is what gets to Fincher. Fincher two weeks before production hires his own writer and rewrites it behind their back. That writer sends a memo to the studio that Walter Hill is on and tells them that he's been rewriting the movie for Fincher. Fucking over Fincher completely. Sends Walter Hill into, you know, he's like, I don't want anything to do with this production. I'm out of here. This is a mess. But this is also why the studio was so nervous going into shooting it because they had already spent like six to $10 million on just getting drafts of the script done. Um, and so now Fincher's going into production, having pissed everybody off. <laughs> Nobody wants to be friends with him. Sigourney Weaver, apparently within a week of production is like, he's a genius. Leave him the fuck alone. Yeah. Uh, and they won't leave him alone because he's, you know, famously shooting a shot of the back of the alien's head with smoke for like three <laughs> days or something. Um, and then when the movie comes out, or when the movie's like, you know, about to be released, Walter Hill comes back and he says, he's a genius. It's a really great movie. And he does interviews supporting the film and says Fincher's really great. And he's sorry for having stepped out when he did. And I guess all is maybe good, but probably not because Fincher seems to have hated everybody that had anything to do with the movie <laughs> yeah. following the I'm making think, of it. Is there any, because Charles Dance is in Mank. Does he work with oh, right. anyone else again? Oh, God. I can't. I can't think of anyone else. Oh, he does. I mean, one is person he that he works with m- repeatedly, yeah. that's in this, who's who I believe has a bigger part in the assembly cut that I haven't seen, is Colt McCallany, um, who plays uh, the you know, for all lack of a better way to put it, the rapist in this yeah, one. Really yeah. The yeah. guy. This movie, but yeah. Oh yeah, he's in Mindhunter. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. he's the guy right, that. Right, right. So he's in Mindhunter, but he also appears in small roles all over Fincher's movies. Sure. Um, he's in fight club as like the mechanic that um, huh. sprays water at someone that he's trying to start a fight with. Oh, if yeah, you guys remember, yeah, I don't know if you remember, remember that, that moment. 
Um, and he's in, and I think he's probably in other moments of uh, Fincher movies. Maybe just it's just this Fight Club, and then um, yeah, I feel Mind like Hunter. he's in Zodiac, but I could just be making that up because he's in Mindhunter. He. I think you're right. I think he is in Zodiac. Pat, Pat it looks like you think... have his IMDb up. <laughs> I was I was looking at his Wikipedia. Um, do you think he likes him because those are the two people that got screwed over the most uh, by that <laughs> final cut? They just sit around and talk about how much they fucking hated making Alien 3 yeah. over and over again. Yeah, right. They've been doing uh-huh. it for 30 years at this point. Uh, I'm only seeing Fight Club and Mindhunter. Okay. Oh, okay. I think those are the only two. He does play an uncredited burglar in the Justice League movie. So. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I, I like him, though. He's great in this movie. He's very yeah. menacing. He does a lot in the assembly cut. You see him a lot more in that one. Is, is, oh, really? Okay. Because I read yeah. one of the main differences in the assembly cut also was there is one of the inmates starts, like, worshipping the alien and thinks it's, you know, God's punishment or something like that. And at some point they trap yeah. the alien, but he, this, this inmate lets it go again. Is... Is, is that his character or is that a different one of them? Oof, I don't remember. Yeah. It's been a while yeah, since right, I've seen right, right. it. I, sh- I should have done both, but they also, no, here's the thing. We didn't. Here's the thing. I didn't fucking show. do anything. I was <laughs> trying to make you do it. I... <laughs> here's the thing with this movie. Everyone's bald. I'm right. Basically everyone's white. Like they're all British actors. They're all big actors. hunky they're all... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little, it gets a little tough to be like, oh yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, right. You know, unless you know the guy, uh, you know, know the actor. This movie uh, had so many else. white men that people in 1992 <laughs> were like, I can't tell all these white guys apart. <laughs> and that was like uh-huh. all of culture like, at that time. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's what everyone said about the Malik's the thin red line. Like I can't tell any yeah. of these white guys apart, yeah. but there is one, there is one black man in yeah. alien oh, three so great. and he, you know, he's a, he's a legend, rock. the King Charles S. Dutton rock. Rock. Yeah. Rock. yeah. yeah. I love his appearance. Like he appeared in so many movies in the nineties that I've recently just been watching where he's become kind of like that, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme from yeah. once upon a time in Hollywood. And I was like, rock. I always remember him in uh, get on the bus. He's got like a big part in get on the bus, get on the bus. He's in menace to society, which I watched this past year. He's in uh Rudy. surviving the game, which is like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but the movie's fucking sick. It's a uh, Ernest Dickerson who was Spike Lee's DP and it stars, um, Rutger Hauer, uh, uh yeah. Rutger Hauer, Charles S. Dutton, ice T Gary Busey and wow. F. Murray Abraham. It's like wow. it's like one crazy night in the city kind of movie. Uh, no, it is not Isn't that. Ice T is a no. Ice T is a homeless man. Oh, it's like a Charles dangerous is, game. It's the most dangerous game. Yeah, yeah. They, I, Charles S. Dutton is a man who runs a homeless shelter, and he like picks up Ice T and is like, "Come with me and, and my friends. We have something that we want to show you." And they take him out to like British Columbia in the middle of the woods, and they send him out to hunt him. And they're like fucking huh. psychotic maniacs that are holding jars of heads and like all these trophies of like homeless people that they've hunted and killed. It's great. It's great. Well, do you know what movie Charles S. Dunn plays an uncredited cop in? <laughs> Die Hard 2? Yeah, I was going to. 1995's 7. Oh. Really? Yep. Interesting. There you go. Yeah, I bet, I bet the actors uh, loved him. Like sure. according to Scorny Weaver, you know the actors all all, all loved him on set. Which I mean, yeah. you'd think maybe some of them wouldn't, because the, one of the main problems with him was that 
keep doing the same thing 50 or 100 times. Sure. Um, which can drive actors like out of their minds. He's a par- you know, he's apparently a good guy. Is anyone as good as anyone can be that commands, you know, 90 million dollar budgets for for their movies? And he makes good movies. Yes, he makes good if movies. If the movies were bad, you know, I feel like the actors would have more of a problem, but like they know the movies are going to be good. <laughs> That's so true. It's... He makes he makes he makes actors look good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They all look good at the end of the day. Even even the guy in 7 that has to confess to his crime in the interrogation room. He looks great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I always feel like it's there's, a great, there's something great in for people, his real. people that started yeah. music videos, I feel like are good at that because it's all about like your relationship with the talent and like it's one yeah. person's vision that you're executing and you really have to like know how to work with them and make them look good and like collaboratively agree on something. Um, I think you find that a lot with people. Like I mean, Venture. you're saying... You're saying a guy who started music videos and not a guy who started as an assistant cameraman and map photographer for, for Return of the Jedi, Temple of Doom, and the Ewok uh, adventure, Caravan of Courage. You're right, and I do apologize for that. Pat. Come you're on, right. we're you're leaving right out the Ewok adventures? I mean, the Caravan of Wait, Courage! I, Come on! Like, I, I can't believe I was engaging in Caravan of Courage erasure. <laughs> like, it's pretty fucked. What's Caravan of Courage? Uh, it's a made-for-TV Ewok movie. I tried actually watching some of these again on Disney Plus because these were one of, you know, like, remember yeah. before the internet when, like, you would remember some kind of ephemera from your childhood yeah. and maybe it wasn't even real? Um, for a long time, this was one of those things for me, these Ewok TV shows. And I, I tried it rewatching them funny. and they're really, really, really bad. They're tough. They're tough. But you watch the credits and it's, like, a bunch of, like, the ILM, like, C team. And then it's just, like, David Fincher. And then just, like, a bunch of other people you've never heard of. Were you are you were you guys surprised? Like I've watched a lot of the of David Fincher's music videos from mm-hmm. um, the eighties and nineties. I mean, specifically Madonna's "Express sure. Yourself" or George Michael's "Freedom." Just sort of how much of his style he retains oh my God. throughout all of those and into this movie. Yes, like this movie at times looks like "Express Yourself." I was thinking that exact thing, Ricky. <laughs> like it's just kind of hit sure. me at some point. I was like, "Wait, all these sweaty men are sitting on different levels, surrounded by steam yes. in this brutalist uh-huh. architecture." Like, where have I seen this before? But I was, I like, I was amazed, right? Because that is, I mean, obviously that was a huge cultural juggernaut or whatever. But it's amazing that he's gotten to just so completely express his aesthetic in this movie as a kind of, you know, relatively unknown director at the time. And I know he hated it and walked off and everything, but you can definitely see David Fincher in this movie, like in many, many different ways. You see it in, in the, in the style, like you said, the architecture and the sweaty men, I feel like you really see David Fincher, like the actual moment where David Fincher almost like pops his head in the frame. And is like, it's me (laughs) is when, the the fucking alien bursts out of her chest cavity as she's falling into the lava, yeah. and she cradles her baby and then dies. It's uh-huh. like, I, like, all right, this is definitely a David Fincher movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> although I will say, my favorite shot in the movie feels like he's aping it from Sam Raimi, which is that alien running through that hallway. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's so cool. I think it looks great. And sometimes the alien's uh, running on the wall. Sometimes it's on the ceiling. Oh, you know? it's on the ceiling. So it's upside oh. down. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. Very, very Sam, Ra- Sam Raimi. I didn't even yeah. uh, think about that while I was watching it. It feels so evil, Dad. Yeah. I, like I said, going back to the beginning, I was really surprised by how much 
of David Fincher you could see in this movie because I feel like its reputation is that it was stolen from him. He didn't yeah. get to do what he wanted and it's a bit of a, and it's a mess. And I don't think it's actually that much of a mess. Like it's not a perfectly told story. Yeah. It does. The first hour is much better than the last hour. Right. I mean, like even though the last hour has some cool stuff, the first hour actually has a pace that works and sure. a story set up that is working. The last hour kind of just, sort of goes for broke and becomes a horror movie and it doesn't entirely work, but there's still incredibly cool things happening on yeah. camera. Um, I was just really surprised at uh, how, how little it seemed to be uh, the mess it's described as. And it, I was like, you know, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised too, Ricky, because just like the thing you love about alien production design is how, you know, lived in and dirty everything is that's kind of what like alien especially is famous for like a spaceship but like it's all kind of fucked up like people live there and i think this movie while taking place on this sort of like artful german expressionist iron smelting facility lead smelting facility um it, it definitely has a lot of that quality but in like a totally different way and they've really obviously gone for broke in this very particular 90s way i'm forgetting who but somebody involved with this movie made the chronicles of riddick isn't that right like a producer or like on the technical side? Oh, no, I don't know, dude. I can't find it right now. It, I, it came up somewhere in my oh, the research. Ro- oh, no, 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 no. David Twohey directed The Chronicles of Riddick, and he did a pass on huh. uh, a draft of Alien 3. It does kind of have that feel to it, if you know what I mean. Sure. That kind of like later 90s, like dystopian but like everybody's wearing matching outfits in a certain way it now according to the alien it's called xenopedia it's the alien <laughs> wikipedia that's like i mean his Wikipedia, draft, i'm sure is somewhere you spend a lot of, of time. course yeah right yeah. yeah of course come on um it's uh according to this it's the first draft that bears a resemblance to alien 3 as it was made it's the first one set inside the huge prison slash ore refinery uh aboard a space station orbiting earth is what this says oh, okay interesting right all of all all of the drafts previous to david Two, he's apparently had removed ripley from the story uh like one of their big ideas was sigourney doesn't want to do these movies anymore yeah. so we have to come up with 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 something else and they, they wanted they, a, they wanted the, a man they wanted a man that's true. Uh, no, they were like, they were like, uh, there was some other movie that had just come out, and they were like, it didn't do well, so we should make a man the protagonist. Tank here. Girl, no, Tank <laughs> Girl was a few years later. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but they, but Joe Roth, according to the Wikipedia, you know, was like, we're not doing an alien movie without Ripley. She's yeah. the she's the center of the series, and so then they offered her five million dollars plus a share of the box office, and she was like, write me in, baby. <laughs> Wow. So Twohe's version of the script is the first one to start uh, to to work Ripley into it. That's interesting. Do you guys remember, it was like right pre-pandemic, might have been like January 2020, when that high school in Jersey did Alien. Oh, the like musical where they had their play. It was like a Michelle Gondry kind of thing. They like did it as a play in in a high school auditorium, whatever. I went. I went and saw it. And Sigourney was there. No. And it was what? so it was so cool. She like went up and gave like an introduction. It was their second performance. So they had done one that like got some press and attention. 
And then they're like, well, I guess we got to do another one. So they did it. And then she showed up and she just seems like she seemed so happy to be there. And like, she just loves these movies so much. And I feel like it's a bummer that she, she never, because they were going to do that one with what's it, Neil Blomkamp. Do you know about this? No. Neil Blomkamp, who did like, Chappie and District Nine, and you know, don't say bunch, Chappie uh, Elysi- first. I mean, <laughs> Elysium, and uh, I don't know why Chappie was the first one I thought of. Uh, he wrote a script and was pitched like actively in development on this movie that was going to be a sequel to Aliens, and it was going to ignore three and four, and it was going to be her and Michael Bean uh, leading oh this God. movie. And she was like all for it. She was, she was jazzed, and then it's just like completely fell apart um i i think it was it was after because it it really wanted to make another one so then it fell apart and then like really didn't end up making the third one it was like one of those messy like this is gonna happen no it's not gonna happen yes it is gonna happen um and it's a bummer i I feel like she needs a long ending to these you know yeah i interviewed her for she i did an interview with her and walter hill Oh, wow. uh, because she was in Walter Hill's movie, The Assignment, which um, don't go watch it. Um, <laughs> but she's in it, and she's doing interviews with him. And he's he's like he's old. He's older now. Sure. He's still a king. He's great, and she clearly has a lot of respect and and sort of love for him as a friend, and probably you know the reason that she has the career that she has. He fought sure. for her for sure. the first Alien, which was her her breakthrough. Um, and the subject of the new aliens came up because I think Prometheus or Covenant were in were in production at the time, and she was like, she was like, I'm sure Ridley's having a really great time, whatever he's doing out yeah. there. I have no interest. <laughs> wow! 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 I mean, I I think she's probably like, look, I've got the Avatar money coming in. Sure. I don't yeah. need the alien money anymore. I mean, it's fascinating because she see like when I was listening to her talk at that thing, like she was like, "This is the thing. This is my thing," you know, like really championing it. And well, maybe it's... that was because she was excited to make that other movie, and it just fell apart. I don't know. But you know, you have to say yeah. if you're in a high school auditorium full of these amazing kids who are inspired yeah, you by your work, you, do you know you what don't I mean? have to go. But you don't have to go to the high school. <laughs> that is true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, dude, I, 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 I could understand your almost 70 years old at this point sure. right and you have kids and grandkids yeah. and you find out about this high school auditorium I mean, that's doing I a musical of alien of course and you live in new york i think she's a new yorker yeah and like you just take a car over there sure yeah that sounds great i bet uh-huh. those kids loved it i truly hate that when you google sigourney Weaver, i want to see how old she was she's 72 right now the movies that it says she's known for are Alien, Aliens, Avatar, Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> well, what do you expect it to say? Death in the Maiden? <laughs> I mean, you could say Ghostbusters. Like, that could yeah, be in there. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah that's be... true. That's true. Guys, what, yeah, so... Do you want to do the questions, um, Ricky? Should we do the no, questions? No, wait. I want to know I want to know what everyone thought of the Avatar Way of the Water oh trailer. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> hey, dude, uh, you know what I thought? Water has never looked so wet. <laughs> it, looks I, so, it looks like I, a fucking video game. It does look like a video game. Yeah. I'm sure it will yeah. be successful, but I, looking at it now, I can't imagine it happening. I'm so ready to eat these words, okay? I'm ready 
to completely uh, be be strung up because of what I'm about to say. There's no world where he makes all five of these, right? <laughs> I think they're already made. Aren't they already all made? I, I don't mean, know. And the VFX aren't finished Two or whatever, you know. Two of them are. This one and this and the next one, I believe, are made. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. Um, maybe he's betting on the, the VFX getting cheaper as he maybe. goes through it. Uh, I don't know. You know, there's been like a recent, like this past year, there's been at least like on Chapo, they did like an Avatar episode and they're kind yeah. of like reclaiming Avatar sure. as this like leftist movie and fair enough. I tried watching that shit after the podcast. <laughs> I hadn't seen it since it came out. That shit is unwatchable. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean... <laughs> The, the yeah. performances and the script are wooden as hell. I mean, like yeah. something that you like unexpectedly wooden, even for what you remember to like turning it on. You can't believe how bad some of the people are in the movie. And then you're immediately like, of course you're bad. Listen to this dialogue you have to say. It's, yeah, terrible. It's things, a terrible movie. Like about Avatar, I think people don't remember is that I think a big part of its success is that it was a 3D movie, which were really yeah, they, yes. it was like the first really good of the new 3D movies, and everybody wanted to go see it on that basis. So I and that makes it more expensive, which means they made more money. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That adds these are, bucks to each ticket. Are these three? Are these ones 3D? I don't I think, so. think so. How could they be? Nobody makes 3D oh, movies it. anymore. I think they have to be. Oh my God. I don't I'll think do you it. make the first one 3D and then you don't do the other ones in 3D. I don't even know oh, the infrastructure this... exists anymore. Like, literally, they don't make these 3D yeah, movies sure. anymore. Here's what I like. All of this is Here's... to say, yeah. I will be there opening night. Of course, of course. <laughs> I like, I love, you know what? I said I like, and then I'm going to upgrade it to I love. I love the audacity of someone saying, yes. I'm you don't yes. want me to make number two? Fine, I'm going to make number three. Oh, now you're laughing at me for saying I'm going to make two and three? <laughs> Guess what? You're getting four and five. Like, I love it so much. But then I also love when there's a movie like the Fantastic Beasts movie who are also like, we're going to make five. And then <laughs> currently it seems like they're like, oh, never mind. Ooh, never mind, never mind. I think we kind of overstayed fine. our welcome even with this number. Yep, yep, and we're good. We're good. We should just stop now. We're actively yeah. damaging the franchise now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. I heard recently, I read an article today that David Zaslav, right, the new CEO mm-hmm. of uh of, of yeah, Warner Brothers. A article about him, right? Yeah. And he like he basically like um chastised the uh the peop- the the executives in development for making Cry Macho. Yeah. Because oh, Cry yeah. Macho didn't cut come in with the money and they're like, Yeah, we had reservations and they were like he was like, Well, why did you make it? And they were like, Well, because he's Clint Eastwood and He's been extremely successful for us for 40 fucking years. And he was like, look, we don't do anyone any favors. And it's like, buddy, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that is the basis for making a movie that someone has been extremely successful for 40 years. Like, that's not a favor. That's the gig. That's the job. also, Cry Macho came out on HBO Max. So, of course, it didn't make a lot of money. In the middle of the pandemic. Like, what? And, like, why are you mad about that when Fantastic Beast has just been going you're spending 200 million dollars on these yeah. movies and people are seeing them less and less you're actively yeah. destroying a franchise yeah. that you, you could, could be, be building so much up. more money off of you know i yeah yes. I, mean, I feel like it's making it's not making you want to go to harry potter world at universal more no. you know no yeah i mean the problem with those movies is that 
the so audience <laughs> aged yeah the audience aged out of them and yeah. they're not good enough to reward yeah. an adult audience but that said very few of the the Star Wars movies are good enough to reward an adult audience and oh, people boy. keep going back to those oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy it's oh a boy, fraught boy. area for you guys <laughs> I just feel like I have to have some kind of ownership over it, even though I have no monetary stake in it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Star Wars is, I mean, I, I don't know if they're shallow pieces of garbage, but I do enjoy, I mean, I, I like the Mandalorian, you know, I liked the John Favreau sure. comic book stuff, you know, but other than So that, are you guys excited for the Noah Hawley uh, alien TV show coming to FX on Hulu? <laughs> You know, I'm coming to FX on Hulu. <laughs> Nothing can just be. Oh God. That's like that coming to FX on Hulu. Part of the tweet uh-huh. about Night Bitch was like coming to Hulu. Coming to Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do the questions? Yeah, let's do the questions. Um, so, Pat, the first question of the three we ask at the end of every episode of the show, which, by the way, I'm sure I sure. said to you. Um, uh, it's very easy. It's just what was your favorite? Maybe I'm not in the email. It's I checked. It's not in the email. Well, I sent him a different. Pat and I were on a different email thread before that you're not on. Unless he's. Well, I'm not going to answer. Hang on, I am not answering these questions until I check to see if this came in. All right, I'm checking also. Here we go. Do do fucking diligence. Ah shit! 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 They are. (laughs) They're in an email. April 29th. Ricky's not on it. Yeah, I definitely didn't respond. I definitely didn't respond to it. <laughs> Ugh. I'm um, but so, yeah, so busy. You're so busy. <laughs> um, Ricky, you're going to be busy, like, maybe at some point, right? Uh, maybe. It seems like maybe. Yeah. Seems maybe like possible. in the summertime, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it seems yeah. it seems um, seems possible. Ricky's involved in a like project that's maybe moving forward. Fantastic Beast Four. Yes, we've. I was we've trying to the cast. He's replacing Ezra Miller, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to very quickly come up with a subtitle for it, and I couldn't come up with anything dumb enough that <laughs> sounded real. Did you guys watch that that Ezra Miller uh, video of him getting arrested in Hawaii? No, that's rough. Uh, that's I rough. for some reason I watched it, and it's really sad. But it's also I've never seen a celebrity on camera behave more like a Reno 911 character in my entire <laughs> life. Like he is, he's like, point, he says like, don't, he's like, I, I film, I film people beating me up to turn into NFTs. He's got like, yes, his phone, yes. like he's got his phone like this and he's going like, Oh my God. Like running around like this. And he's like, crypto NFT, crypto NFT. They're Nazis. And then he oh, just no. sprints away. That's and really they sad. And they like the cops find him down the road, and like they're talking to him like they've done this multiple times. You know, it's oh, not sure. like a. They're just kind of like, okay, like Ezra, Nick, come on. Swartzen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, come exactly. on, Ezra. Like, come on, no, oh. Ezra. Come on. You know we're not going to hurt you. Come on, Ezra. It's time to go. It's time to go, Ezra. <laughs> oh, no. That's so sad. So, uh, as Chris said, we have three questions that we ask at the end of every episode. Um, I know he sent them in to you in an email, but I never send them. So no fault of yours for not knowing. But the first question is just very simply, what was your favorite part of this movie? This movie being Alien 3. Uh, 
now I think I, I said one of my favorite parts, which is the Sam Raimi shot going through the halls. I really like that. I think it's cool. I think it looks cool. I think my other favorite part is Lance Henriksen showing up at the end. Oh yeah, where yeah. she's like, "You're a robot," and he's like, "No, I'm the real guy." I just like that. I think it was fun. Um, but then we, also, but then we see that he is a robot, right? Right, because she hits him, or the one of the prisoners hits him with a wrench, and like his ear kind of comes yeah. off. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's explicit that he's a a robot or not. I did notice he's credited in the um, credits as whatever his robot name is, number Bishop. two. Bishop. Yeah, Bishop two. He's credited as Bishop two, so that like implies he is also a robot. It doesn't say. It just says claiming to be the human designer of the android so maybe they just leave it ambiguous i thought I like the ear was I pretty like i thought the ear yeah. was pretty clear it looked like a piece of he, machinery hanging off of sure. his face he gets hit in the head with a wrench and basically the whole flap of the side of his head comes off so his ear is like hanging forward but he doesn't seem to be in any kind of pain or distress at all <laughs> while this is happening yeah. i also i want to say a lance hendricks thing and lance Hendrickson thing also for my favorite which is um okay He's one of several people in this movie that begs to be murdered, which is like actually something that a lot of characters do in this movie. But there's a really grisly sequence where Ripley reanimates Bishop, the like half of Bishop that she finds. And it's kind yeah. of like The Empire Strikes Back when it's like C-3PO is only half put together, except that Bishop seems to be in a huge amount of pain and dying and his face is all reduced to glop and there's like that white blood stuff coming out of him. I think uh, my favorite part of the movie, and we've already talked about it though, uh, is the is the autopsy because yeah, um, the autopsy is the moment where I got uh, where I knew I was on board with the movie. You know, like I, I was sort of like working like working with it a little bit. I actually think the opening the opening opening of the movie doesn't look that great, and every time they cut to the outside planet, like it doesn't outside the 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 ship or wherever they're on, you know. Yeah, it doesn't it's kind look of like red, it's it's like red dwarf level effects, you know. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't look very good, and so you that's kind of what you get a lot of in the first five minutes, and so yeah. I was like, oh, this is definitely going to be what everyone said it was, and then the care the 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 dynamic between Weaver and Charles Nance like starts growing more interesting and you see more of the planet and more of the framing. And then all of a sudden they cut open a little girl and I was like, Oh no, this is a David Lit. This is a David Fincher movie. This is not, I don't know why everyone talks about this. Like it's something else. This is extremely dark. I'll say this in the assembly cut in the assembly cut. The beginning is a lot longer. They like find her on a beach, you know, she crashed in the ship and they like drag her in and stuff like that. And I think the more you see of the outside in the beginning, the more you're like, okay with how it looks. You know what I mean? That's what I, like, I read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I read it. So they have like oxen pulling things. It's like a yeah. kind of setting up this kind of like medieval society they live in or something. Uh, we haven't really talked about Charles Dance, but just like really quickly, he is really good in this. I, I thought he was good as the kind of like the good inmates you know the one the relatable one um that ripley has sex with yeah 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 Yeah, why do they have sex because he hasn't seen a lady in so long that's what he says he's like i i don't know um his death is kind of weird though it doesn't seem in, in in keeping with the ripley character in a certain way is that the only time she has sex with someone in the entire series 
I don't remember anything about resurrection, but I don't think she has sex in that one. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think she does. I don't think she does either. I mean, it's not like there's a that, so like it's not technically <laughs> it's not the same person that doesn't it's, count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like there's a sex scene or anything like that, but there is. It yeah. is just sort of strange that, and I liked it. I liked that they were like. Yeah, she just she's been frozen for for this for this long. This guy hasn't had sex. He seems like a relatively sensitive man and not like a brute like the rest of these guys. Why wouldn't she want to get laid? It's it's like a pretty yeah. adult handling of uh, of this of this woman who's has like a lot of agency, is extremely confident, and would be like, yeah, let's fuck, dude. And it's not like, like a love story. It's not like they're in love. It's no. just like they fuck, you know, because they they're adults who kind of enjoy each other's company, and then they fuck, and then they just continue to just hang out, basically. Now I will say oh. this: in the video game Alien Isolation, which <laughs> is like full, you get a full like, sex scene. <laughs> well, no, it's like kind of canon because yeah. every everyone from the original movie is in it, and it came out like less than 10 years ago so they like sort of counted as canon but the main character is ripley's daughter i don't remember how that is possible i don't remember isn't that winona Ryder? It. isn't that who winona Ryder is in in is resurrection she? i think I that's remember. like the reveal or she's like another clone of her or something I think she's a clone i think how does she have a dot an alien baby and another daughter as well that doesn't make any sense <laughs> This this one says it takes place 15 years after the initial Alien movie. That's where the video game takes place. Huh. Oh, okay, so there's no so there's no Alien three in this. Well, this in, would like, take place before Aliens, right. because Aliens is like a hundred years oh, after. Oh, that's so right. maybe she's right. like in cryo sleep or something, and like. Oh, there's one moment. Uh, another favorite part. Sorry, before we move on. Um, but there's a when when Lance Henriksen shows up with his crew to stop her from killing herself because they want to like experiment on the alien or something. Um, when she like runs away from them before just before she's about to like die, jump into the lava, it cuts to his crew running up against a chain link fence, and one of the guys is holding like a VHS video yes. camera yes. <laughs> to shoot it, and it's like extremely funny because it's supposed to be like what. A few hundred years into yeah. the future from why 1993. Would why would you do that? Like, why would you put any modern technology in there? Um, so second question, two of three is, yes. um, you know, when we started this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, it was 2020. Um, oh, I and yeah. yeah, you know, we called it 30 years later, neglecting to take into consideration that that would mean for 10 years, we only talk about movies in the nineties. So we uh -huh. might as well just be a nineties podcast. Right. Uh -huh. So the question Especially is very simply. 90s podcast, but... Sure. Uh, so the question is, what is the most nineties thing about this movie? Which actually, this is kind of a hard one with the exception I... of what I just brought up. I was the video camera. I think it's gotta be the video camera. I, don't think I think it's the video choice. camera too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Video camera is great. Also, the way that he is shooting the video camera, he's in his full like anime, all white future soldier gear, and he's yeah. hanging on a chain link fence like two feet above the ground with his toes in the chain link and his hands beneath yeah. like video cameraing. Amazing <laughs> shit. Amazing. Um, although I think you I have a different it? answer. Wait, which is rock? Of course, is Charles S. Dutton like being in this? Movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Sure. 
Like he sure. was such a, he had this kind of part on lock at this point in history. And there were a yeah. lot of these parts written into movies of like a, like a gruff, sensible and capable like black man. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know how this was an archetype, but this was Charles, Charles Dutton was doing this stuff in lots lots of different things. I mean, I would, I watched rock like every week. Me I too. really like that show. I highly recommend reading Charles S. Dutton's Wikipedia. He's got a really great backstory. He's very cool. Uh, he just got into acting like in a, in a weird way. And he was involved in crime. He had like a life of crime for a while and he found acting and it helped him get out of it. It's just a good story. I don't remember all of it. I don't remember the details. I just remember it was a good story when I read it, Chris. God damn it. I just you feel like you're teasing this, you know, like, you know, there's the, hey, there's a really interesting story I could tell you. Okay. I feel like Pat's <laughs> looking it up right now and is really going to fuck me and say, actually, he wasn't a criminal at all, Ricky. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know what Rock is short for? Uh, no. no, what? Rock is short for Rockhead because when he was a kid... <laughs> He would th- they would have rock throwing battles. Oh my god. His rock is short for rockhead. Rockhead. <laughs> rockhead. Jesus. It's fucking idiotic. That's idiotic. And then he and then he killed a guy when he was 16. Also, his real nickname in real life was Rock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that really what it was? He killed someone when he was 16? He killed someone when he was 16. He says the guy attacked him with a knife. And he became he became an activist in prison, basically. Like he's not yeah. just an actor; he's like a very devout activist, and I think possibly religious as well. I'm not sure, but the part in Menace to Society that he plays was like pretty much written for him because of his work, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So the last he, question um, that we ask on this show <laughs> is, um, and it's a little weird but it's what have we grown out of and basically what we mean by this is like what's something that you see in this movie that was common in movies at the time or society at large and that for better or worse is not common at all anymore i mean Um, everything in this movie is practical like this is like one of the this is like one of the last things where it's like everything in it is real and you can touch it or it's a painting or like you know even those alien shots it's like a it's a rod controlled puppet that they like superimposed onto the screen and stuff those don't look very good no I they look really the bad one... they look really Excuse bad me. i did not i did not say it was all for good <laughs> I, just <said> it, <laughs> I just said it was all practical uh, yeah no the, the the compositing is not good and the lighting on it is not good and some yeah, of it yeah. looks like bad cg but i think it's all a puppet according mm. to the the no, I think you're right because it doesn't look like CG, but it, you're right. It's like the lighting on the compositing because there's like kind yeah. of a halo around it, and it's like it's almost like a different like like it's more washed out than the rest of the things yeah. that are happening on screen. Yeah, which but is like pretty unusual stuff- in this movie, which otherwise looks fantastic. It's like a fantastic movie to look at, but anytime the, the alien has to run by somebody, it's like there's a couple shots where it's a guy in a suit, and those are good, but yeah. the ones where it's the puppet, yeah, it's pretty fucked. They they were talking about in some of the bonus features how they were doing it, and I'm going to try to explain it the easiest way I can. They shot the, the you know set and stuff, and then they would run it very slow on a laser disc, and then they would be shooting the puppet in real life, and some program they had would automatically put the puppet onto this laser disc 
but it would slow down so, so much. So they would have to move the puppet very slowly in order to match the footage. And then they wow. would speed up the footage on the laser disc and it would be the regular speed. That's so fucking weird. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> it does look like CD-ROM technology, so I totally yeah. buy that. Like, For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, yeah, everything is practical in the movie. That's good. But I also think a sequel being this dark and yeah. interesting, I just don't think that like if you're going to make a sequel to a movie, it's going to be like for everybody. You know, like it's yeah. rare that you get. I don't even know. Do you do you even get R-rated sequels anymore outside of horror movies? And so I guess someone Joker. could say this I is mean, a horror is movie. Joker an R-rated sequel? You know. But I'm pretty sure Alien Resurrection is PG-13, isn't it? So they start it moving is. into that into that I place. I feel like Prometheus and, and the um the other one. I was going to say R. Covenant. That's like yeah, one Covenant, that's like yeah. Covenant is R. Yeah, they went for and it with it that. It feels one. weirder and darker than Prometheus too. Yeah. Well, Prometheus to me feels not dark. It just feels ponderous. <laughs> yeah. And it rules. And it rules. I got to watch it again. It Prometheus um, was the reason Prometheus was the reason I bought a Blu-ray player. <laughs> it was because I said really? I want to re- I want to rewatch this movie. I want to buy it, but I'm not going to buy it on DVD. What a waste of money! So I want to buy a Blu-ray of it. Oh, I don't know why. That was just it was my train. And of what thought. what year was this happening? Was 2012? When did Prometheus come out? Oh, I mean, wow. that's fair enough. I have a yeah, I, I have that I have that inclination with movies all the time, and I buy them on Blu-ray. Yeah. I have a Blu-ray player, but I, I, for some reason, it reminds me of how like uh, when you go to a vacation home, there's like all these DVDs or Blu-rays there, and they're always from this like one period of time, like 2003 to like 2008. This yeah. last period of time that people bought home mov- like movies to have at home before they were just available streaming, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about that specifically. I just think it's funny that there was this like that there was this period of time where like, you know, Sweet Home Alabama or something is on DVD Elf, next to Gladiator, the Italian job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like sometimes there's like they clearly just bought a bunch for the house. So it's like Hostel <laughs> Two. <And you're> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is this here with this? Um yeah, I don't know. There was something yeah, that, I mean, something reminded me of that. I totally agree with you, and I was kind of talking about this before, so I was going to try to think of something more creative, but since you said it again, like, no, the, yeah, I totally agree. The way this movie approaches the idea of, of being a sequel, we've, so you know, at this point, 30 years later, right? We have, like we were saying before, they figured out ways to do these IP-driven sequels where they're just, like, TV show episodes. And yeah. they're, they're, they share a lot of commonalities. They look the same, you know, the costumes are the same. Like the settings, the settings might be different, but they're still kind of the same. Do you know what I mean? Where this movie sure. is, it represents a totally feeling like you have to come up with some big new idea. And like we were talking about before, spending $6 million in pre-production, getting a bunch of people to come up with like a big new idea of how to get back to the yeah. Alien franchise. Whereas the, you would not, come anywhere close to expending that level of effort today to make like the third movie in your franchise like what does marvel do in pre pre-production i don't i'm not asking because i think that you work at that area in yeah. area in marvel or something that you have an expertise but maybe you know from reading about marvel or you what do, do you, know do but mean? like 
like what exactly is it the kind of thing where they find tap somebody and are like yeah. we're going to develop it with this person or is it more like there's a there's a few writers and they're all developing it with like the team and so therefore like a lot of that development money is really spent on salary people yeah i mean it seems like a lot of it is plug and play with directors with a few exceptions you know like right. There's the Raimis, the Chloe Zhao's, the, the James Gunn's, but that's kind of about it. Everyone else is sort of just like a gun for hire, uh, no pun intended. Um, but a lot of the pre-production is like they pre the hell out of the movie. So like yeah. so much of the movie is already worked out before sometimes they hire the director. Sometimes, you know, before they get shooting, they already know so much of what it's going to look like. And then it's just like, all right, well, let's just shoot what we've already mapped out in this computer. You know, it's basically Pixar. They've basically animated the whole thing until they've gotten to the point where they think the story works. Yeah. Right. Which like is, like Pixar is, will like, which is a way, like it is a way to make movies, you know, whether you like it or not, like you can see it in front of you and you're like, I at least know that this action scene will work or this, you know, maybe not for dialogue stuff, but like, you'll know that giant chunks of your movie works or not. And you can go back and rework it. Um, uh, but yeah, that's what Pixar, you know, like Pixar famously uh, trashed most of Toy Story, like very close to it coming out. And like Toy Story 2, they just had went back and like redid so much of it because it was not working in the, the previous stage, which is uh, terrifying. I can only imagine being an animator and working on something for like three years. And then they're just like, oh, never mind. We're rewriting this all the way. Yeah, so... <laughs> Should we just wrap it up, Pat? So thank you so much for coming on the show. Great. I just want to say, I I just, I just want to interrupt Chris very briefly to say we've had, we've had a lot of technical difficulties on this episode. So if there is anything uh, that seems amiss or uh, maybe some, you know, some, some dead air, blame Chris. Yeah. Uh, It's his responsibility today. Uh, Again, Ricky, I do enjoy, I enjoy editing the show and it's going to sound normal after I'm done doing it. Uh, but you cool. have to leave this part in. Yeah, you have to leave this part <laughs> in. If this part comes out, we're both going to be really mad. Well, okay, send me a nasty email, you fucking douches. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's good to see you. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh. Good movie. I was I very happy to talk about it. And, and you uh, picked it. Like, thank you very much for picking it, Patrick. Right. Hey, I, I was complaining because you sent me a list of movies and I was like... What? There's no way you're skipping Alien 3. That's I wanted to do Monster in the Box. I, I grew up watching Bravo as a kid when it was still highbrow, sure. and one of the major things they played was Spalding Gray monologue documentaries. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh-huh. You want to do Spalding Gray. So thing. I wanted to do Monster in a Box. We missed Swimming to Cambodia, so I was really pushing for... Monster. Which one box. did I want to do? There was there was another there was a movie that I had that I was like oh I want to do this one and then we had Alien Three. I don't remember. I don't. What I, it don't was. I don't pay attention when you so say funny. things. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I think it was down. I mean, you could you could put out a second uh, episode this week. Yeah, oh, okay. it was far far and away with Tom Cruise. Oh and yeah, Hulk that that, that no, I was that is, I was curious about that. That's like an ultimate. They don't make them like this anymore. Like that is for real. Yeah. Like a, a relic of history. So now let's yeah. say this: Are you happy that you chose Alien Three instead of those movies? Or absolutely, or are you oh yeah, for sure. No, yeah. no, okay. great choice. Okay. Very happy great that choice. we. Because yeah. and okay. I will say, yeah. do not listen to the hype surrounding the movie. It's great. Watch it. Yeah. Don't listen to David Fincher's own words. Watch the movie. It's, it's great. Good. I'm gonna it's say. I'm gonna say. Movie. Watch the. I'm gonna say. Watch the assembly cut. It I'm is going like, to. It's like three hours long. 
but it, I think God. it's I think it's worth it. Um, well, Pat, thanks so much. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Peace out, homes. I barely listen yeah. to any podcasts these days, sure. with the exception of maybe like one politics one, sure. and then like Roger Deakins's podcast interviewing uh-huh. cinematographers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, one. that's that's a cool one. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, him and his him and his wife have a great podcast. Oh. I think it's on hiatus now because he's shooting. Sure. But they for like the entire pandemic, every week they were doing that's interviews rad. with cinematographers, directors, production designers, yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. It was pretty good. But like, so someone was like, no, but you got, I was like, maybe I'll listen to the Tom Hanks episode. Yeah. Like, no, you got to listen to the whole thing. I was like, guys, it's it's not the wire. I can't like, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) It's also hard because like, I don't know. I feel like my main podcast time it was Subway time. Yes, totally same. Just don't go on the subway that much, you know. So I I like force myself to go on walks or something like that just so I can like burn through like four podcasts at two times the speed or whatever yeah um, i fortunately have the the dog to walk three times a day so sure, i get a, sure, sure, like sure. a little bit of podcast time in there but i've also yeah. started being like when i go for the walks like trying to leave the phone at home and like just yeah. sort of oh, really? listen to air yeah i've been trying that's it's very it's that's really, very emotionally brave of you ricky to do <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's very nice sometimes there's a certain amount around. of clarity that like yeah, yeah. pay attention to your surroundings mm-hmm. the buildings yeah, yeah, you sur- yeah. you'd, you'd be surprised how much more the stress goes away than when you're constantly like filling your brain with information. Sure. sure. It's nice. Yeah, um, too bad I'll never try it. <laughs> 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 That's not how I'm gonna live. Ricky, I actually, I'm so the opposite of that. When I was unemployed like eight years ago, I started listening to podcasts <laughs> while I was in the shower. Like I put my phone yeah. in the I sink. absolutely did that. And tonight. I listened to it because I, I was getting too depressed being in the shower. <laughs> so I was like, I need to have something to distract me. And I've just kept doing it the entire time since then. It's actually great and I love it. <laughs>